everyone, and welcome to episode 402 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. It's 9 a.m. and I'm already boiling here. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hot weekend in New York, too. I think it's hot all over. A good old, good old global warming, I guess, making everything warm. Uh, Krim, how hot is it in your part of California? Are you guys close enough that your weather is basically the same? Is that kind of how oh, it no, works? No, Krim's much hotter. No, no, yeah. I, I, oh, wait, hold on. Global warming's real? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, like, I... I think that it's even hotter this weekend just because, yeah, like, like in my area, it's a little bit colder, but, like, yeah, it, it's very hot down here. And on top of that, this past weekend, I think it was hot enough to where a random part of my apartment complex caught on fire. Because it was that's so hot outside, it just, safe. like, spontaneously combusted? Yeah, that's actually yeah, really yeah. scary. I don't know that's yeah. weather-related. That just might be uh, yeah, maintenance-related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think apartments are supposed to do that, but I'm glad you're okay and survived the spontaneous combustion. Anyway, yes. podcast-wise today, we're jumping around a bit. Commander Masters, we got the full main set since last week, so we're going to be talking about that. We also... Just got our first Commander Precon, so maybe we'll touch on that a little bit as well. Uh, Explore Anthologies coming out this week. Uh, there's been some feedback from the community I want to ask you guys about. Nazgul's is a big topic of conversation, a little conspiracy theory there. We want to see how we would rebalance a few cards that are all over the place on Magic Arena, and then talk a bit about Standard before answering Fish Mail. So that's the main plan for today. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit lets you skip all the time and typing and work that go into buy listing. You can use their curated service and send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a little work on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, they're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtdgoldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic card so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start with what i think is the biggest news of the week commander master so in the last since last week we got literally the full set and it is a big one there's like 400 some cards in this set over 100 rares in the set what is your gut reaction now that we've seen this entire set? So, okay, to set the stage, we know this is master set price. Like, draft boxes, 300, set boxes, 375, collector boosters going 60 bucks a pack or something. So it's priced like a premium, very expensive master product. Now that we've seen the set, how do we feel about it? Is it is it worth picking up even at master set prices? It's a pricey. Yeah, it is pricey. Like, like... Like I, I, I mean, you're you're asking the the wrong dude because I have always believed that I just would get singles, right? Like I don't even buy packs to like open normally, like like e e like non master sets, <laughs> right? Like if, if if I get it, it's you know maybe because it's a gift or, or or something like that, then sure. But I never actively seek out buying boxes. I just open. I just buy singles. I mean, that is n normally the right thing for most players to do. So that's that is a wise technique. What do you think, Richard? Can we afford to buy boxes anymore? <laughs> like, like, can, can you afford to fork over three hundred dollars or five hundred dollars for some RNG? Like, I, I feel the prices are so crazy that it's a, not like even if the EV was worth it, the EV was worth it. Like, that's that's not right. right? That's average. Right. You're opening one box. You don't know what it's going to be. You got to sell the cards. You got to put in the hours or you could use card conduit, but you got to actually still do it. And then you you take a shaving off that. Is it worth it? Probably not. It never was. But now with these prices now, does that mean this was a bad set? Not really, because someone else will open it and you just buy the singles, right? So, like, at the end of the day, some stuff got reprinted. You want a Jeweled Lotus? Well, it's coming down in price. You want a Doubling Season? It's coming down in price, right? So, I don't know about buying boxes, but, I mean, it certainly helps that some of these staples are being reprinted and you can pick them up for a cheaper price. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that is the best news about this set. So, on one hand, I would agree. Like, 
I would expect in Eevee, they've made it so complicated to calculate these days with so many special versions and things here and there that it's really hard to do it properly. But my guess is the Eevee of the set, if you just actually math it out, would actually be positive. I think just looking at the value of the high-end cards, it would be positive. So that means people will open these boxes. It might not be you or me, it might be vendors or finance types or whatever, but I think the value is there. The problem is, as you mentioned, Richard, the RNG is really high. There's a lot of variants. If you look at the rares in specific, there's some really valuable rares. They reprinted the whole Commander 2020 free spell cycle. It's really expensive. Cyclonic Rift, Personal Tutor, the Medallions. There's a lot of really good cards there there's also a lot of bulk rares. there's a lot of boom piles and azamis and you know just these inspiring statuary these like 50 cent rares which would make me very nervous about opening a box unlike grim i love opening booster packs like it's one of my favorite things to do and I think I am also in the buy singles camp. I don't think that makes it a bad set. As you said, we've already seen the prices on a lot of these cards, even at pre-sales, like stuff like Fierce Guardianship, Deflecting Swap, they're already selling for like half of what they were before. So it is doing its job of bringing down prices and doing it really well. Uh, but I think I'd rather let someone else experience the variants. I will say one of the things I like most about this set, so there's been... A little bit of complaining, uh, Smothering Tithe got a reprint, but it got bumped up to Mythic for the first time, which is a little awkward. One of the things I like about this set, though, is they actually dropped a lot of cards from Mythic to Rare. So that was a sneaky way for them to print more like really bomby creatures like Zakamas and some like popular big dinosaurs, Maelstrom Wanderers, and get them in the set without having them in the Rare slot. And that should really help get the prices of those cards down. There's a big difference between being reprinted at Mythic uh, and just the amount of supply of those cards that's coming out and being reprinted a Rare in a set like this. So it really should help bring the prices down on these cards so i think this if you just look at the most in-demand commander cards what's missing from this set there's really not a lot is there like i think mana crypt is probably the big one that's the one like super expensive super chase commander card that could have been in the set that wasn't in the set otherwise i'm actually really happy with how this set turned out as far as what they chose to put in it i just don't want to risk opening a bunch of bulk rares in a 400 dollars box or whatever that's that's the magic player speaking set. So have you noticed if you looked at your commander clash decks, if you build a deck containing like staples in any form, your deck is a thousand dollars, right? Like like your mana base is like hundreds of dollars. You put in like it's a fairies pro, a fierce guardianship. Like your deck is a thousand dollars. They could have did all this and just made it like a normal set, right? Like the 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 price of the packs could be you know not two x but just normal. Right, we could have hundred dollar boxes, and they could jam all these in, which is what I think they actually should do. Right, they should actually put a premium on the new cards, and then the reprints they should actually, you know, make cheap. Right, like you know, we've seen these cards a million times over. Like I, I don't know why I got to pay a premium for them, but when they release the next greatest Gandalf Frodo hybrid card, whatever, like yeah, I'll pay more money for that's a brand new card. Right, so I actually kind of think it's kind of bad, and then the fact that they. They have to upshift Smothering Tide. Like they can't just give us yeah. the Smothering Tide that's rare. Like you needed to min-max this out, Wizards. Like, <laughs> like why, right? Like what is your justification? Like, oh, draft will be broken. We yeah, okay, okay, guys. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like there, there's some things they do just like, I think don't actually matter, but give us like a bad taste. And I think just like upshifting that, that Smothering Tide, like I really, did it really matter to your bottom line? Like why did you have to do that, right? So... Yeah, it it just gives the community something to like complain about in Nemon. And I think the difference is so minimal in Wizards bottom line. Like that was the one card. Like if they didn't do that with that one card, uh, no one would have that to complain about. But instead, the one smothering tide being upshifted to mythic overshadows the like 15 mythics that were downshifted to rare because everyone's focused on the smothering tide. So, yeah, I think that was a miss from Watsy's part. Krim, we're talking off cast like. Other games reprint things a little differently, right? Weren't, didn't you just pick up some, like, super reprinty, like, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, something? One non-magic game? Uh, like, how does it work the, in other games, Grim? It's an X-Man. It's an X-Man. Yeah, that's and, all X-Men. Uh, yeah, like, like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh just did their 25th anniversary re-releases. And so they released, like, the first, like, six sets of their game. They're all about $70, which, a box, by the way. Uh, and yeah, like they re re added some sweet foils in there and like, what a, what a price difference. 
I guess. What a price so, difference. Better than thousand dollar packs. Our, <laughs> yeah, celebrating yeah. Our, our illustrious history. Are they yeah, also yeah. tournament legal? Like, so this would be the equivalent of the 30th anniversary edition, but for 70 bucks in tournament legal. Is that, am I understanding yeah. that right? Yeah. Whew. Yeah. That sounds like, like, awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might have to, like start, the... might have to start playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you'll see <laughs> Wait, about that. All those cards with Powercraft under the game, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's the Yu-Gi-Oh downside, yeah. right? But I mean, like, so same with like 30th anniversary, technically, right? Almost everything in there is power crept out except for like duels. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, it's just opening the, their marketing tool was nostalgia, right? And, and, and it worked. It worked. It, they suckered me. They got me good. They got me good. Uh, <laughs> these cards are probably nowhere near playable in the current year. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely a, a different, different technique, I would say, for handling reprints. So, that's a uh, that's Commander Masters. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, but I think I'm focused on the good news, which is prices of cards going down. Obviously, could always yeah. go down more. They could reprint it in a cheaper in a cheaper product to make the prices crash even lower, and that would be awesome for players. Watsy, I don't think really wants to do that. They like some cards being expensive to sell future sets, but I think the the big takeaway is a lot of really playable cards are already way cheaper than they were and should continue to get cheaper for the next few months. One last little word of warning, though, with Commander Staples in specific. These cards are going to go back up. Like you might have six months or something to snag these cards at a cheap price, but the the smothering ties and crater hoofs and demonic tutors and ur dragons, great henges. These are cards that get reprinted. They come down and then they just shoot right back up to where they were before. So don't expect this to keep the cards cheap for the next few years. But uh, if you do want to pick them up, I would focus like this summer, this fall before prices start to rise again. But anyway, let's. Yeah, uh, yeah, one, I mean, one more thing. Oh, go ahead. What, like, we... I, I I sauntered over to MDG Finance last week and there was a thread lamenting about how wizards has run out of reprint equity based on the fact that there were no cards over a hundred dollars uh in this what 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 is your take on that is that a a valid thing we should be looking at like cards over 100 and what cards in the past have been over a hundred dollars in these master sets i mean wasn't jeweled lotus like almost a hundred jeweled lotus card at that point right well, Jude Lotus being reprinted, I think, was just uh, yeah, it was a, just under a hundred. It was it was close. Actually, the Commander Legends version, yeah, I guess it was a little bit under a hundred when they actually announced the reprint. It was like seventy or eighty. So yeah, I mean, I guess you Same have like with the Fierce Guardianship, right? Like the free Fierce spell Guardianship. Cycle. I think topped out in the mid 60s. It might have touched 70. I guess you have like capture of Zing Hao and Sun Quan, like the portal stuff. Not that that really yeah. counts because it's prices mostly because it's just so scarce. I would say I think that $100 is an arbitrary metric. Maybe it matters like psychologically because it's a. Uh, a pretty round, yeah, nice round number that sticks in people's heads. But the difference between a $80 Jewel Lotus and a $110 Mana Crypt or whatever is like pretty minimal in terms of actual value. I think that running out of reprint equity is actually not much of a concern. I'm just looking at like standard right now. And it seems like Wizards is doing a pretty good job of printing new cards that are expensive that are going to need to be reprinted. Like I'm just thinking like Shieldred is like $70. Yeah. Elish Norn's like $30. Meat Hook Massacre is still $40. Besaju, the channel lands are pretty expensive. In the Lord of the Rings set, you got Orcish Bowmasters. You got the One Ring could already be reprinted. So I don't think it's actually a, a real concern at this point i think wizards has figured out how to print new cards in a way that makes them expensive enough that in a few years they're going to need to be reprinted so uh, i think that they have reached a sustainable level and i think from the player's perspective it would be good if they ran out of expensive cards to reprint because that means all the really good cards are cheap so that's more of a like finance concern anyway than a player's concern because i think if you talk to players most people would be happy if the most expensive card was $20. Like, sure, your master's packs are not going to be as good, but what do you care if you're getting $20 mana grip? So I don't even know if that's a bad thing anyway for players. It would be bad for wizards to run out of reprint equity, but I, I don't think that's actually a negative for the just the average casual player who isn't trying to, like, you know, invest in magic cards or build, you know, a stock portfolio out of their cardboard. So I'm not I'm not worried about it. I'm curious though. Let's let's move on. Any other modern uh, or modern? I'm so used to modern masters. Any more commander masters thoughts before we move on to uh, some explorer? So okay, 
Last week, we talked about the new anthologies that are dropping on Arena this week. When we talked about them, there were still some cards missing. I think there were 10 Explorer cards, five Historic cards. We got all of them now. The general consensus is the Historic Anthology, really, really good. They kind of just hit it out of the park. Lots of cards people are hyped for. On the other hand, if you believe Reddit or social media, there's a several posts about how the Explorer Anthology is the worst anthology that has ever been made to the point where Wizards actually, there was a post on Reddit with them addressing it and talking about how we have other concerns. Like, yes, we're trying to bring Pioneer to Arena, but you got to remember we're making cards for all kinds of players, not just Explorer players. We'll talk more about it at Gen Con or whatever is coming up, Comic-Con, whatever event it is. I'm curious, Grim, is the anger over this anthology deserve like does this deserve the reputation of being the worst anthology ever is it really that bad or is this just you know magic players being a little hyperbolic on the internet i mean like let's let's not lie here this this anthologies at least on the explorer half has a bunch of dated cards and there's like no real reason to add them right like they're like it doesn't do anything for, for anybody. I'm sure there's somebody that's very happy about a quarter shield, but like, you know, like historic brawl and all of that, right? Like, sure. But like, I don't know. I, I didn't, this explore, the, it, I was really hyped. Uh, and I just feel like once I actually saw the cards come out, I think it kind of deserves the tag of probably the weakest entry into the, like the Explorer anthology, right? Like, like what cards are played? Like like actually played, not not, you know, like like we're not talking like from like y- years ago. I don't think there's much. Like why those lands? I mean, nostalgia so I'll give him nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia. Judge is familiar. You don't want to get people Judge, with that. Yeah. You play your charms. You can play your charms. Your voice. Your death right shaman. God. Is it I not mean, like, nostalgia? Like these are kind of old cards that were good. In their heyday, except a quarter shield. And then I mean, here they are, and hope you play with them in historic brawl. <laughs> like I'm, like the charms the charms were good, right? Like I, I think the charms are great. Uh specifically, really just is it charm, but uh and then but like what else was good from this? Like like me, Court of Calling, sure. Psych Rift Commander All Star, terrible in one v one. Uh, like I mean, cord cord of calling, like yeah, so, that was a really good card at one point, and I'll give wizards a bit of a pass for like yeah. Xenagos World Spine Worm because th- my guess is when they were actually choosing what cards to put in this, it was probably when those cards were seeing a lot of playing creativity. So maybe they just got a little sure. wrecked by metagame shifts with those two. The charms, but, I actually but think, Obsidat. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to complain about Obsidat just because I love Obsidat. <laughs> Oh, yeah. come on, Blink. Mm, mm, come mm. on. Also, I, ain't nobody nostalgic for that or those lands. Come on. <laughs> well, those lands are just budget lands. <laughs> They're even rare. They're, like, still That's rare. Actually, they should have downshifted them or something. But Yeah, yeah that that would have made me like, hype for them. Like, do that. Give them the Snarl treatment. Make them uncommon yeah. instead of rares. Port Town, Port Town was uncommon, right? Or he got downshifted, right? Yeah. So... Like, like, why the hell is this still rare? I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, if I look at all these, did, how much closer are we to even Pioneer now, right? Like, it's, like, not at all, give her... Very minimum. Very minimum. Their message was literally telling you the exact opposite, right? They're like, these are cards for all players. Like, I thought this was Explorer Anthology, but no, it's a Commander product, right? Like, literally, they just told you in their response that they're making it. For different types of players, i.e. like not Explorer players. Then so maybe. like we are going to take the full five years to get there, right? They are taking a lot of detours and pit stops, you know, packing historic brawl cards and whatnot into here. So this, they, this they is actually the, just the filler up arc. This is the filler arc of like every arc. anime. We got to fast forward it. Uh, <laughs> like We got to like, read I, the guide to know which episodes to skip. <laughs> I just don't understand why, why they would. But like. If you're going to make it for a commander or whatever, a historic brawl, put that into the historic side. Make your like your historic uh, uh, whatever anthologies bigger and put it into that side. And then actually just put things that are played for Explorer. 
So yeah, two, I would say I had two, two comments. One is I think part of the problem is the community's expectation is a lot different than wizard's goal for these products. Like the community wants explore anthologies to be getting pioneer on arena as quickly as possible. Wizards, we might not like it, but they have been upfront about the fact that their time frame is like years in the future. They've said that from the beginning, like we're doing it, but it's going to take us several years, I think was the exact quote. And this is just the next step on that path. So I think that's where the actual issue is. The community wants Pioneer as quickly as possible. Wizards wants Pioneer five years from now as they sell a bunch of anthologies and do a bunch of remastered sets. So I think that that's like the heart of the matter. I don't think it's unfair for players to feel like this is a very useless explore anthology if your goal is to have Pioneer on, on Arena, because it is. Like it's not doing much to actually put Pioneer on Arena. But I also think that from Wizards perspective, like they're doing kind of what they told us they were gonna do which is the super slow drip don't expect pioneer anytime soon so from that perspective i guess i'm kind of like i don't know like i've seen some people be like i'm quitting arena over this explorer anthology and i'm like eh, i don't like i get I don't it know it sucks that. but like what really like they kind of warned us it was gonna be like this and if you look at past explorer anthologies it's not like all the cards are bangers like they there's some good cards i think the biggest issue my second point was every other explorer anthology it had like two really good important cards two or three really good important cards that let us kind of forget about all the horrible cards that they also added like all the tainted remedies and alicia's that no one actually plays uh battle hoplites there would be a elvish mystic which is like format defining a supreme verdict like super important card for blue white control the last explore anthology people thought that was the worst explore anthology but then on the last day there was nykthos and mutaval and that sort of like changed the entire conversation because those two cards are so impactful i think the problem with this one is we don't have those there's two cards none. there's no nykthos there's no mutavault there's no elvish mystic like there's no big chase card that okay like yeah there's a lot of chaff there's a lot of you know historic brawl stuff but at least i got these two cards that really push the format forward so hopefully wizards learns from that in the future like i think they can get away with printing like 20 cards for historic brawl if the other five cards are like the big format defining I cards they for were pioneer Delph. I thought yeah. we were getting Delve. I mean, that would have changed yeah. the conversation. A treasure cruise and dig through time would have changed the entire conversation, even if the rest of the cards were the same. I think the timeline arguments are fair from the community because when, when we hear, let's say, three years, five years, we're thinking, oh, my God, it's so much work. You know, the interns are slaving away and they're doing their best. It's just going to take three years, right? I'm like, okay, you know, I'll cut them some slack. But they're just making random cards, right? Like they, they actually are not working at full speed. Or the other way to think about it is, you know, maybe we can get close to Pioneer within one year and then it takes them two years to like actually fill out the long tail. You know, your, your tier two or tier three deck might be missing because no one plays those cards and they'll get to them eventually within three years. But within a year, we'll have, you know, the, the top 95 or 99% of the cards. Like that's another way you could have uh you could have hopium to this right but the answer is we're we spent our resources making a quarter shield <laughs> right like that's like ah uh, what's the play rate yeah. of this card like you just spent all this time coding it and no one will play it like why are we wasting time right so i think the criticisms are fair even given like the the long time frame was presented right because there's many ways we could have reached that that are i guess more favorable for for current players yeah i I don't think that the criticism's unfair. I just don't think we should be surprised by it. Because if you look at past <laughs> anthologies and Wizards, like, what they've said about the format, the whole, like, surprise Pikachu phase when there was a bad anthology, I'm like, come, come this, isn't this normal? Like, shouldn't at, at we be used rate, to this by now? make it in five years, Seth? <laughs> like, there's, they're not going to make it in five years at this rate. Like, well, they, how, how is so it they, actually going to happen? They did say in their response to people complaining about this that there'll be more cards for Explorer released the end of this year or the beginning of next year. So get, give them another oh, six to nine God. months and we'll get some more <laughs> some more cards for the format let's, so let's working, lose what little players we have on meeting, it okay let, let, let's lose them to every other game and then, and then we'll release the cards uh all right i, well, I, I, I oh, will ahead, i will say though that the historic side outside of like echoing decay which should have just been bio blight uh like this the the historic side was really good um, yeah. I thought I thought that was a fun one. Getting to see Sword of Fire and Ice, Blood Braid, you know, the Titans, 
pretty cool blood gas uh like vendillion click unearth the, these are like like even down to like the eye, like fiery eyelets and all of that the the canopy lance i that honestly was a banger. think i honestly think that it's so funny i think the explorer anthology is probably the worst anthology they've ever made and i think uh, historic anthology 7 might actually be the best out of any anthology they've made so far like it's really, really good. Like, the lands are good. It's got a bunch of cards that'll see competitive play. It's got a bunch of nostalgic cards. So I think they really... It's just so funny that they managed to, like, hit one, like, so far out of the park, and the other one is, like, just a, a bunt foul ball. Like, it's amazing <laughs> how the difference between those two anthologies... What, what about the conspiracy theory is that this is Wizards showing their hand that they don't want anyone playing Explorer, that they're pushing everyone into Historic because Historic is actually the arena format and like how can you make such a brilliant product and then such a piece of uh, a doo-doo beside it like you know like someone <laughs> must have looked at it and be like hey you know what is great one is not what's going on right like what, how, how can you explain that one <laughs> i mean it- that's because these cards are i think they're iconic right so like it's easier to like in a format where everything's legal i think it's it's kind of obvious right like what like kind of easy that you could just reprint some of these and people will be happy although i guess same with pioneer because you already know what people want so maybe this Uh. is just like tinfoil hat stuff but is that even untrue like i would say if you look at arena holistically the choices about how the clients designed which formats are supported not supported it seems like the goal is to funnel people into the digital first formats like they really design sets and cards and the client itself in a way that tries to get people to play uh, alchemy and historic and minimizes the impact of formats like explorer and even i would argue to some extent standard at this point so i don't know like is that just a fact at this point that wizards would prefer us to play historic and alchemy and cards with digital for like digital first formats if they had the choice? Like to me, that seems I mean, true, right? Like I mean, it, it would it like yeah, like it makes sense. Why wouldn't you? It's your digital format on your digital client. Sure, they can sell like, more cards. They can rebalance stuff. They can keep stuff fresh. Like in theory, like I don't know. Like I, I think that probably is true that that's what wizards wants. Yeah, I'll also say that first. I think uh, it's no format. Historic is basically no format, right? Like every card is legal and that's where Lord of the Rings can go, right? That's where, yeah. you know, whatever commander product they want to put on arena can just randomly go for fun. Uh, yeah. So it's more of like the no format format that's winning than like Explorer, which is like very rigid because like Lord of the Rings is where all the new players went, right? And then I'm sure yeah. we'll get another Lord of the Rings type set, which will come onto arena in in this fashion. And then, Historic is where you're going to play it. So I think, yeah, Historic is actually where Wizards wants to go, either deliberately or not. Like, it's kind of just where it has to be, right? It's also, like, the most fun format. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a lot of fun. This is actually a perfect, absolutely perfect segue. I have also really been enjoying Historic lately. Um, We've talked about this a little bit before. I don't feel like Wizards is living up to their original vision for the digital first formats of having like fast rebalancings and changes. Like, I think that's something that they could really do a lot better of. So I have really been enjoying historic ever since Lord of the Rings came out, but there are certain cards that when I see them, I'm like, wow, the format would be so much better if you would fix these cards, rebalance these cards, ban these cards. I don't care how you want you do it, but like do something with them. And there was actually a Reddit post recently about three specific, actually four specific cards, but I only care about three of them. Three, three cards that, see a lot of play in Historic or in Alchemy to some extent, and the person was trying to rebalance them. Because in Historic, we don't ban cards. We rebalance them. And I was actually very curious, if you were in charge of Arena and you had the ability to rebalance these cards, how do you fix them? Like, what would you do with these cards? So card number one, this is a big one, Krim. I know I know you know this card. I know oh, this yeah. card. We thought it should be rebalanced forever. Cruzius Titan of the Waves. This is one of the digital-only cards. It's current text, if you don't know this card. Three-mana legendary human py- uh, pirate. At the beginning of your end step, you can discard a card. If you do, you make a treasure token, and you choose Ambitious or Expedient. If you choose Ambitious, you seek a card with greater mana value than the one you discarded. If you choose Expedient, you seek a card with lesser mana value. 
So essentially, end step, discard a card. You get a card that's either lower, higher mana value, and a treasure token based on what you discard. This card is... Uh, it's dominant uh, in Historic and also in Alchemy. Krim, I think we all agree this needs to be rebalanced. How would you rebalance this, though? Like, what does a fixed Crucius look like? They need to stop generating treasures. If there are, like, why does it generate a treasure? Like, on top of, I get it, it's a pirate, but, like, it's already, like, I the, the looting is built in, but why why are they getting a treasure? They should also make it, like, a. I think this should be, like, four mana. At least. This should go up in mana and no treasure. The treasure's really busted. The treasure allows for a lot of, like, tap out, play Crucius, uh, discard a card, make a treasure, get a fatal push, use a fatal push to trigger revolt, fatal push your big thing, keep my Crucius. Like, it allows for some really, really strong lines. What do you think about just, it doesn't trigger until your next upkeep? Would Would that be enough? Like, it doesn't do anything the turn it comes into play. You get one turn to kill it, and then it starts snowballing. I mean, I, I that think that'd be the good? way to that'd be the way to go if you're gonna do it. Uh, you wait till their upkeep, but then people who are playing Crucius now will probably feel like they wasted their wild cards, right? Because that's an entirely different creature. I I, I feel like if they wait till their upkeep, this card, I think this card just probably doesn't get played, right? What do you What do you think, Richard? It's still, so seek is get from your deck, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. basically draw a card, yeah, it's except a it's controlled. Yeah, to some extent. Uh, so it's a, ra- it's a random card from your deck meeting the requirement. Yes, yeah. random card from your deck yeah. meeting the requirement. I so the funny thing is, so Seth linked the Reddit post. I read the card. It it was actually the the person's fixed version missing the treasure part, and I'm like, this card is still this card is like so broken. <laughs> so even if you remove the treasure part, it's still really good. I would fix it by making you have to hit in combat with Crucius, and then you get the trigger. Remove the treasure part and make you actually connect. Uh, but I think even if you wait till upkeep, it's still pretty good, right? Like, if, like remove it now or you lose the game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, essentially, like, that that's pretty good, right? So I, I think you make Crucius have to get in in combat, and then you get the stuff. And then I think, I think you can even keep the treasure part. Like, if you, if you can get him through combat, then you get the treasure and you get the card. Uh, Getting him into combat makes it even worse than waiting in upkeep, though. That yeah, yeah that would but be then, the but most. You, but you actually down. have some upside, and you actually have some playability to it. So I would keep the treasure and keep the card, but just make him hit in combat or that, player damage. Not 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 that would be crap. that would be that would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, they got to do something with this card, though, right? Yeah. Like, I think we're all in what, agreement that this is, like, number well, one. Like, do you want to nerf it? So here's a question when you nerf something. Do you want to nerf it so that it's still a tier one card and played in every deck, just not as oppressive? Do you want to nerf it so that it, it's only played in, like, a single deck? Or do you want to nerf it so it's never seen ever again? So They definitely probably want to just nerf it so that it's played... But like in a few decks. But then it needs a synergy. There's no synergy to it, right? <laughs> like what, what, what is there one is... deck that would play this and another deck that would not? <laughs> I guess that's fair. Like, I mean, it, it, it lives up to the Jund and the Rakdos mentality of just good yeah, cards. It, it's, right? it, it's a Jund card, right? So then you, you just got to nerf it into the ground. <laughs> I think like I want in my dream world, I would want them to print a really strong card like Crucius, have it be at the top of the meta for a while. And then nerf it to the extent that it's a fringe card and no longer part of the meta. The problem with this is (laughs) wizards can't or won't refund for nerfs. And that's the like conversation that's like floating over the top of all of this because it makes players really upset when you spend a mythic wild card on something like Crucius or four of them for a playset of Crucius. And then that card becomes no good. In my dream world, they would have a system similar to Hearthstone where like if they nerf something, they give you the option. Like you can trade this in for a mythic wild card. If you do, you will no longer have access to Crucius. So you would have to spend wild cards again to get the new version of it. So it's not just like uh, free cards, which wizards would never go for. But that would be my ideal solution. Make it so you could, you know, get a wild card if your card gets nerfed, but then have the ability to really power down a card like this. Let it have its time in the sun and then just like get rid of it altogether if you want to once people get sick of it. Well, let's move on to a 
another new another new one this is not a digital only card this is a card that's all over the place we've talked about whether or not this card should be banned but bannings aren't a thing in historic the one ring how do you rebalance the one ring to make it a a fairly powered card in historic this one might be a little bit in the future i don't know how quickly wizards will take action on it but i do think eventually this will be a card that needs to be rebalanced any any ideas how do you how do you make a fixed one ring Huh. I mean, you gotta lose life faster. <laughs> I think start with a burden counter, like ETB burden counter. With that, I mean, if you really want to fix well, it, that, that does just drawing cards faster too. I think you just powered it up, Seth. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think. Gotta, I think. Like maybe two life for burden counter. Two life. One suggestion that I've seen from people is have the burden counter stick on you. So like an energy counter almost so they don't go away once the one ring goes away so you have the permanent almost like getting a chandra emblem where you're permanently taking that damage even if you legend rule it away or sack it or whatever that could be interesting what if it I, I, so so the, there, there's some weird angles like people are like oh what if you loop it or like you know what if you you know you you, you stay long you know you, you can recur this or bounce it or loop it or kill it but i've never actually seen any of that happen like they just actually casted draw four cards and you're dead so I, I think like dealing with the protection part, like not making it recurrable or like not, you know, keeping stuff around when the ring is removed doesn't help as much. You doesn't actually matter. need to like nerf the raw power because the ring comes down, they just tap it three times. You're dead before they have to sack or bounce or anything, right? Would taking the damage when you tap it solve anything rather than your upkeep? Like that would prevent like combos with it where you're like twiddle storming it off. But I guess it wouldn't really change much as far as playing it fairly. Would this card be good without the protection? Like, what if that whole first paragraph didn't exist no. and it was just indestructible, no. draw a bunch of cards? Would that be good enough or would it be stone unplayable? It, you would die. You would die, right? Because the thing here is, like, there's no downside outside of, like, Stomp and Questing Beast, like, to, like, actually punish you uh, for, for tapping out, right? Like, this thing just gives you protection from everything. So I think that's the big thing. Like you, yeah, you can take the, the mind sculptor. You didn't give you protection yeah. when he came down. <laughs> he just came down and won the game. Yeah. Like you come down, you solitude behind it. You're like, whatever. What's card? Like what? What is card efficiency? I don't need that. Right? You fury solitude play the one ring. You call it a day. Right? I mean, this this is like super Jace. If that's the case, yeah, Jace Jace was good. If you just give Jace a little power boost, I think he'd still be good. So I think oh. you remove that protection. I mean, obviously, it won't be like a a free roll to cast it on four, but you could have like a blocker or like a free spell and play it and then not need the protection and then just untap and win, right? There would actually be some challenge to it then. Maybe I'm on the fence. Yeah. Like I think it would still see play in some decks, but I think it it wouldn't be like it is now where like just any deck can throw it in and get value out of it. I kind of like the idea of losing two life per burden counter. One of the things players have realized is it works really well with Shieldred. Sh and true. I will say it's like super annoying that you end up gaining life with Shieldred in the one ring. Yeah. At least if it was two damage per burden counter, like Shieldred would just break you even instead of like actually putting you ahead as you draw the cards. Maybe that would be enough. Maybe if you just lost two life for each burden counter, maybe that would maybe that would help. What if it didn't lose you life, but all damage against you is doubled? Ooh. Ooh. Or what? Would that Boy. help? Or what if like all the damage is infect or something, right? <laughs> like like what what if we like shortened your lifespan somehow when you cast this? Yeah, I was I mean, what that's, if it, that's the goal, right? Like behind the flavor and all of that. So yeah. It, it just doesn't lose half your life ETV. Lose half your life with the damage. Or like after, yeah, after three turns you lose the game or something. Like maybe there there has to be something. I do like that. I do feel like they're going for the flavor of the ring and having there be a drawback to it. But the drawback just in practice is, is probably not quite enough. <laughs> it's like the Dark it. Confidant drawback, right? You're like, oh, you just lose life equal to the man of value. Like, Ooh. actually, in reality, no one cares, right? So, like, that's kind of this one, right? Yeah. You could literally well, put we, Dark oh, Confidant drawback it? on it. What if we bobbed it? If you draw three cards, it's like equal to the man of value. Oh, no. <laughs> no. That would make it way worse. That'd be unplayable. 
I think my favorite's just just to try it with lose two life instead of lose one life. Like that's that's pretty. You change one number on the card and you keep it the same. I don't know if that'll be enough or not, but that maybe that's a like nice middle ground first step to try. All right, one one last card. This one, this one I guess is probably more for alchemy because I don't see it. I see it a little bit in historic, but that's a Troxa. Troxa Grand Unifier, ETBs, draws a ton of cards, blah, 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 blah. Question one, does this even need fixing? And number two, if it needs fixing, how do you fix it? Do you think a Troxa is a, a rebalanceable card? What What's wrong with it? Like, like, why does it need rebalancing? It's a seven mana bomb that, yeah, you reanimate it, reloads your hand. I get my it, guess, but like, my guess is the person who had the original post was probably thinking more of uh, alchemy than historic. Where Atrox was really good in standard. There was a conversation sure. before Fable got banned about like whether or not it could be a card that would get banned. So maybe from the perspective of like alchemy or more of a standard power level, I could see it being a card that people would want rebalanced. I don't see it but enough in historic to actually care about it re being rebalanced. Like there's ways, there's just as scary things to reanimate. People are like Mizzix mastering and doing all these graveyard loops. So I'm not particularly scared of Atrox in historic, but. Well, but then if we're talking about, like, alchemy, Fable's not legal there, right? It it's, is. It's also, it is? Fable's still legal in alchemy? The Why? bannings didn't happen in alchemy, but alchemy will rotate in September. So okay. those cards will leave in September because it'll have the rotation we would have had in standard. I don't know. If you want to fix Atroxa, maybe just make it so you can't blink it. Like, just make it so it's a cast trigger instead of ETB trigger. I mean, There's two I, ways I, to I, fix all these, right? It's always the cast trigger, the Eldrazi. So actually, you see it all in Eldrazi uh, period, right? So the cast trigger or the when it hits the graveyard shuffle. Shuffle it back right? in. Those are, those are the two ways Wizards has to prevent people from sneaking things into play. I think that we can, now that we can actually sneak things directly into play, uh, the cast trigger is probably the safest one. That's the newest one that they do. Is that do we need to like? What if we just remove lifelink or something from a Jackson? Yeah. Is that good enough? Well, I, what, I don't think you? we need to nerf this at all. <laughs> you you would nerf just like how it is in standard, right? Like like think about it. The once Fable was gone, the enabler was gone, and then yeah. you never saw Atraxa again. Like every now and then you see a few Atraxa decks, sure, but like like that that's it's not even like that big of the meta anymore. <laughs> Not just one where it's like Rakdos splashing attracts all, all that yada yada yada. So I don't know. I just don't. I I think this is fine. It's a seven drop. Like it has to do something good, right? Uh. So like the, I I don't know. I don't I don't see what the if, problem with it. What if what if you only see nine cards instead of ten cards? Would that would that do it? <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. Or <laughs> or seven, it. seven seven because it's to go with all the sevens. Yeah, yeah. I could. Oh, I kind of wish it was seven, seven mana. Seven might actually be a meaningful nerf. You got you got to kind of do the math, but yeah. nine probably not it. But seven might actually nerf like the cards, the number of cards you can get significantly. You could you could cut down the number, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I I think I'm mostly with Krim, where I don't think personally I would say Atroxa needs to be rebalanced at this point. Although we'll see what uh what the future looks like in standard and historic as things go along. Uh, let's keep let's keep moving forward. Got a couple more quick topics. Actually, you mentioned standard Krim. Have you played any standard since Lord of the Rings came out? Uh, yeah, a little bit on stream here and there. Um, How and. How was the format? So I haven't played any standard since Lord of the Rings came out. I've been playing all modern and historic mostly. I'm curious, just looking at like the deck list, it seems like black is still really, really dominant. And looking at the like yeah. the the metagame percentages of cards, like Shieldred's still in like over 50% of decks, black cards are still all over the place. We got another ban window coming up in in two or three weeks, the beginning of August. You've played more than I have recently. Do you think anything else needs to change considering there's no rotation in September? Or is standard healthy enough that just, like, let Eldraine release, go from there, we'll see what happens? Just let Eldraine re-release uh, re here, release. Because, I mean, right now, it you've got, like, mono black, like, and, and black cards are just so good that, you know, like, you would have to just rotate the entire color. <laughs> if if that were the case, right? Because it's got just so many good like things and threats at every step of the curve, so yeah. it's just efficient. Um, but then 
you know, the one main thing is now, now, Seth, what do you have to say about our Lord and Savior, Voidrent? <laughs> I, I, I see ya. I see ya. Second I, most yeah. played deck in the format. Most of them have some yeah. Voidrens in there. So I think you were you're a prophet, Grim. You're just before your time. You've been playing Void for like a Void for like a year, but it's it's finally come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, and I've been playing Siphon Insights as well. And I now that that's yeah, like that's all over the place. So you have Esper control, I think that's the biggest thing. As you know, we mentioned it, right? Like before the bannings, there were just so many good threats that there wasn't like a a control window where you could be like, "Oh, that resolves. That's fine." Everything had to get countered, right? Between Fable, yada yada yada, like all these things. So now with those cards gone, control is actually like pulling up, and now at the top of the meta, right? You have control. You've still got the the Naya ramp deck. You've still got soldiers. You got mono black. You even have uh, Demir Tempo uh, using double draw cards. Like we're talking like like Fairy Mastermind. You know, you've got Urtai. It they kind of just like pretty much took Grixis and cut out the red, right? And I love that. I think that's pretty cool. This is looking like a a, a sweet format. I think, yeah, maybe people don't like standard because that's just the nature of standard, right? It's always going to be a small card pool, uh, like all of that. But, like, you have a Selesny enchantments as well. Like, it's, I don't know. This is pretty dope, right? I will say this looks like a format that you would love. I, I will yeah. I will give it that. Seeing all the control decks near the top of the meta, this looks like Crim's, Crim's wheelhouse. I will say... I don't know about our Jace conversation from last week, seeing uh, Esper in blue-white at the top of the meta. This makes me more skeptical that Jace would be, <laughs> would be a Jason Mind Sculptor would be a safe card to actually add into standard with Control Jace, already being Jace, so good. Jace wouldn't be better than Wandering Emperor, would he? <laughs> Wa- Wandering Emperor is like legitimately very good, right? Like, they, like it is. J- but yeah, that's a that's another thing, right? Like, but the the thing here is there's a lot of decks right now. There's aggro. There's mid-range. There's control. There's no combo, but that's fine. Uh, and then, like, Celestia enchantments, you, that's whatever the hell you want to call that. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, is this not the makings of a good meta? Yeah, sure. Mid-range is here, but that's just the nature of it when you have such strong cards in black. And everything nowadays isn't, like, a, a ar- archetype supporter. It's just, like, there's no synergy. It's just a pile of good cards. And that's just how cards are today. I mean, it looks like week one of standard. <laughs> like, be- remember before Meatball was banned? Like, this is what yeah. it looked like, right? It's we- we- full circle. Lily. <laughs> Lily actually kind of sucked, right? But now that everyone's playing Esper Control, like, Lily is actually very good. People are playing <laughs> Lily now, right? But yeah, it's just, like, piles of mid-range stuff. And then, you know, you, you-, you have the Demir deck. I don't know. It feels the same still except now crim can play control so i i am personally waiting for eldraine like i i thought we were done with tenacious underdog graveyard trespasser <laughs> no <laughs> but like here we are here we are right we, we've lost like what meatball massacre we've lost uh so many cards like uh the invoke like you, you thought invoke would be mono black's downfall because like that's kind of the the deck that like always ran it, but like it didn't matter, right? Like losing Fable uh, on the other side like boosted mono black. Uh, so I don't know that there's a point to any of this. Like there, it's it's like when you have a bunch of Jun cards, you just ban like the first best one, but that first best one was like one percent better than the <laughs> next one. So like it didn't actually effectively do anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. And if, if that if that one card happened to prop up a color, then that color goes which is basically the story of Fable. Uh, but you still have like 10 other cards at 98% sitting there. Uh, and then I was just t- talking to Seth, like maybe standard is really good, but who has time to play standard? You know, I'm busy I mean, with Lord of the Rings, yeah. right? I'm busy with Commander Masters. Like I, I still have like 8,000 legendaries to build from Lord of the Rings, let alone whatever Commander Masters is pooping out right now, right? Like who has time to deal with this? Like why go play this old format and try to have fun with it when there are all these shiny new cards to look at. And then, of course, by the time Eldraine comes around, they'll probably have shown us the next Commander product. And then we'll, we'll probably be start. Well, we're like, oh, have you seen the Commander cards in Eldraine? They're insane, right? I got to go build my Commander decks. Like, uh, I'll, I'll leave Standard for, for later, right? So, 
yeah, th- this marketing isn't doing standard any favors. I mean, the Lord of the Rings set was a saving grace this summer, I think. It actually ended up being super fun. At least my experience has been. It's been super fun to play with in historic and in modern. So I'm kind of fine with standard being whatever right now, because like even if standard is really good, I would probably still be playing Lord of the Rings cards in these other formats because I've just been having so much fun playing them. So I think it kind of kind of worked out. I am still a little sad that we're not rotating in September, but uh, we'll see. Maybe Eldraine will uh, will shake up the format. I got one other topic and then we can get to fish mail. So there's been some Nazgul conspiracies floating around recently. People seem convinced that Nazguls are somehow more rare than the rest of the uncommons in the set. If you look on Reddit, you look on social media, there's people posting about like, oh, I opened, you know, a couple boxes and I only got one Nazgul or I got no Nazguls, but I got three Rosies. Like, there's a lot of conspiracies about this. Richard, think there's any truth to this? These rumors of, do you remember like, wow, this is Ether Revolt era. Do you remember the, the fatal, fatal push, push is a mythic uncommon <laughs> and like all this stuff and people would open boxes and it was a big thing. Is there any possibility that these conspiracies could be true? Or are people just really bad at math, even though we all play a very mathy, probabilistic game? Uh, now we know why most people are <laughs> tournament grinders. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. This is like, put it up there with the Arena Shuffler's ring. Like, what incentive does Wizards have to do this, right? Like, why would they do this? What 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 is the payoff? And, you know... For what reason, right? And, you know, maybe it actually is true, but you certainly aren't going to find it as Joe Schmo opening, like, one box or two boxes, right? Like, if if Star City Games, you know, opened all their singles, they're like, wait a minute, guys, there seems to be an issue. Then I might put some merit into it, right? But opening one box, going on Reddit, and then putting a thread up, and then another person on Reddit seeing that thread with their one box adding to it, like, does not really count for, like, real data, right? Uh, it's biased data, uh, so yeah, put it up with Moto Shufflers bugged, Arena Shufflers bugged, uh, Worth is handling my cards at the GP and <laughs> giving me only lands if I, if I win it in, you know, like, I, I don't know, right? Like, <laughs> I, I will say, so I do think part of it's grounded in just a misunderstanding about how the card is being distributed. So it's from everything I have been able to find out about this set. The Nazgul as a card is the same rarity as every other uh, uncommon. So you will get a Nazgul the same rate as Rosie, Nema Uncommon, and Sat Peregrine Took, doesn't matter. So the, the rate is the same. The thing that throws people off is there's nine Nazguls. That's kind of the, the issue with it. So if you open a box of uh, Lord of the Rings, you'll get about one, just over one, of every uncommon on average. That means you'll get a single Nazgul. The problem is there's nine Nazguls, and people want all of them. So any individual Nazgul, like Nazgul 332 or Nazgul 333, those are actually pretty rare. If you consider, if you open a box, it takes about two boxes to get every rare. It takes about four or five to get every mythic. To get every Nazgul, one of each of the nine, it's almost eight boxes. So any individual one is actually almost twice as rare as a mythic, but getting a Nazgul is the same rate as any uncommon. So I think that's part of what's throwing people off is people don't just want a Nazgul. They want these specific ones. You want one of each art to like make your deck be flavorful or whatever. So I think that's a lot of what people are missing. So in some sense, any specific Nazgul is actually very, very rare, rarer than a mythic, but just getting a Nazgul should be exactly the same as uncommon. I haven't seen anything that would make me doubt that that's the truth. So I think it is kind of a case of maybe like not great communication about how they're actually distributed combined with us just not being very good at math. So you're I saying mean, there's only one Nazgul on the sheet, right? There's like one say Nazgul there were two, on the sheet. Say there was two uncommons in the set, Rosie and Nazgul. Instead of like nine Nazgul's and one Rosie being on you'll sheet, get one of it's each. actually one Nazgul and one Rosie, and that yes. one Nazgul is one of nine. Yes. Yeah. Or else you, or else Nazgul's would actually be way less rare than other uncommons. Like if all of them were on the same sheet, yeah. then they would. I, show mean, up I think way intuitively they would all be one in the same pack sheet, could be like double double Nazgul. Yeah. Yeah, but I and think, I think the thing is people just can't compute the price, right? You're like, why is this? I don't, uncommons are free right. in most yes. people's minds. Right. Yeah. So the fact that it's worth something like just simply does not compute to people. Right. And it causes confusion. I mean, I Sensei's will... divining top was uncommon. Just yeah. Remember that. 
I will say, I think in the future, the lesson might be if you're going to break the four of rule, put the card at common if possible. Maybe it would have broke limited to have Nazgul at uncommon. I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't general, know if you could like, have that uh, at common. Dragon's approach, Rat Colony, Seven Dwarfs. Those are all commons, right? And they end up being worth a couple bucks, but not like super expensive. Hopefully, we never get a rare version. Oh God! Oh, Wizards, the Scrooge McDuck <laughs> jumping into the the swimming pool can, of money. Can you imagine, can you imagine how, like a mythic that you could play any number of? <laughs> <laughs> like if it was a rare, like it, it has to have some crack. To, like imagine it's like Prosper, but oh, you have like God. nine of them. Yeah, that uh that's scary. Anyway, I think those are all of our topics for today. But Richard, uh, we got a couple minutes, so why don't you fish mail us? All right. If you have questions, send them to MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh only way is the one ring more powerful than Necropotence or Yogmoth's bargain. Yes. Yogg's yes. bargain is six mana. It does just draw your deck, right? basically. Did he mean draw your yeah. deck? No, Yogg's bargain is also banned. It's just like six mana, pay life, draw a card. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I think it's better than both. I think, I think it's better than both because it's universal. It can be applied in any deck. Yep. Uh, and the protection is huge, right? Like you, that that's just a a get out of jail free card for one turn, and draws you a silly amount. I think it depends slightly on the deck. There are going to be decks that would prefer just like a storm deck would probably prefer Yagamas Bargain, just because it wants to draw all the cards at once rather than over the course of a few turns. But for me, like being colorless is the huge tiebreaker. Like uh, Necro's triple black. That's a real. That's a real cost. That's a mana cost. Uh, so being colorless, I think, is a huge, huge swing in uh, One Ring's favor. What do you think, Richard? I think it's more powerful across the power level spectrum. Right, like uh, at a casual table, necro like does nothing. Like you just necro into like bad cards and die. Uh, whereas <laughs> the one ring is gonna do a lot of work. At the very t- high end, though, like is it necro better because it's just faster? <laughs> right, it's like one turn faster. You get all your cards immediately. You can just combo. Like are you trying to grind people out at the highest levels with one ring? I'm not sure. You, we'd have to actually take a look. But my intuition is necro is probably better because it's burstier. Uh, but you know, when we're talking about casual commander, casual kitchen table, all that, like the one ring, like dusts all these cards. So I think, and then the fact that it goes in every single deck, you don't need to build around it. Like Necro, you have to build a very specific type of deck. Um, so I think the one ring is more powerful if you look at it holistically. Uh, Ron Bolofsky, we were discussing idea for every X, for every 15 extra cards you add to your deck. You can add another copy of a card. Yorian comes to mind. So that means I think if you have a 75 card deck, you can play five of a card. Is that what they're hinting Ooh. at here? Uh, that's what it sounds like. Wouldn't that just break Battleowits? How many Battleowits could I play if I had 250 <laughs> cards? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Is this what we care about? Battleowits? That's <laughs> what I care about. <laughs> I'm thinking about like, imagine how much more consistent that would make one card appear. And and like that that let's Would just it imagine you just added fifteen more cards. I get I guess I, mean, so. I guess because I guess so when, what Yorian tells us those fifteen cards are like actually preordains and serum visions, right? So, yeah. And then the the fifth card gets you more redundancy, so maybe it actually we gets can definitely better. yeah like we could probably make it pretty consistent, right? I mean, imagine if it were just I don't know Oko, you could just consistently find Oko always, right? Like that. There's going to be metas where every 15 cards means the worst card in the meta that you're tired of playing against is going to more likely show up. So, I think what it'll do to Mill. Why would we oh. play Mill? What's the upside <laughs> of any of this? Like, I get it for Yarion or Battleowitz, but why? Why would we so want to incentivize cards your deck anymore? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, imagine so just, I can like, build my commander deck and just saunter in with a 150 card deck. I'm like, I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> like when I build Commander Clash decks, it takes me like 15 minutes to build a deck, and then like 
anywhere from like 15 minutes to three hours cutting it back down to the right size yep. if you gave me this rule i would just walk in and just play I do this all time limited i'm like 42 card special limited baby 41 cards i, I wanted 16.5 lands it's, 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 you know this is exactly what i wanted right but it, it just lets lazy people get away with it i love that you know what's wrong enough that you have justifications in your mind right i'm like oh 16 and a half this is a 16 yeah, and a half yeah, just add the 41st card i'll fix it all right <laughs> that'll take care of it don't do that by uh, the way this is a terrible idea but you know but hey <laughs> we gotta a, cope yeah <laughs> oh, yeah i don't know yeah, i, I, I play like the it. 61 card special all the time in 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 60 card formats <laughs> And let me tell you, I, the internet yells at me all the time. You just gotta squeeze I, I in one last point. I want to go to Magic Fest and get deck checked, and my deck is like two thousand cards. <laughs> <laughs> you bring, you know, like, can I get your deck list? You bring out like a CVS receipt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like here you go. <laughs> have fun. Read them. Fun with that. Uh. All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail this week. If you have questions in the future, you can send them to at mtgoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 402 of the MG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cripp, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs> <laughs>